you, Charlene and Rick. That was beautiful. Well, good morning once again. Last week, we celebrated Easter. And it was a different kind of Easter. It was uh, different than any Easter I have ever, ever celebrated. Uh, somebody on Facebook said it was uh, the lentiest Lent I ever lented. <laughs> and gave up, we gave up, the whole nation, the whole world gave up so much for this Lent. What it offered us also was a unique perspective on maybe the fear, the anxiety, and the uncertainty that was a, just an everyday living experience in the world that Jesus grew up in and ministered to. So today I come to an old friend, Elijah. So we're going to talk about Elijah the Tishbite because I think if we look at his life, we're going to find a lot of a lot of themes and some pearls that might help us during uncertain times when we need to have courage, when we need to be faithful. We can look to Elijah. Hundreds of years before Christ was born. Hundreds of years. And we can see how he responded to uncertain times. And he had a few. So let's, let's go ahead. <clears throat> Behind me the scripture is going to pop up. And it is going to be 1 Kings chapter 17, and we're going to start in verse 1. I only have verse 1 put up because that's sort of just our jumping off point. We're going to be in all of chapter 17, and all of chapter 18, and chapter 2 of 2 Kings today. So, starting in chapter 17, verse 1. Now, Elijah the Tishabite, from the Gilead said said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, in whose presence I stand, there will be no dew or rain during these years, except by my command. So we're going to start right there. As a fellow once said, the best place to begin is the beginning. Elijah was not an Israelite. That's the first thing we have to keep in mind. He fought a fight that, by all rights, wasn't his. He wasn't uh, an Israelite by birth, but his family settled there years ago. And he just was a part of the people. Matter of fact, during this reign, during King Ahab's reign, and all up until, uh, really up until Jesus' time, Israel was really kind of nationally a mixed bag. They had a, everybody from everywhere lived there fertile crescent. Uh, it was a, a really, it was an attraction way back then. So Tishabite, so excuse me, Elijah was a Tishabite. He wasn't an Israelite. Something to keep in mind. He suffered and he ministered to a people that would not listen to him, that did not like him, tried to kill him. And they weren't even his own people. That tells us a little bit of Elijah's character, his integrity, to put his life at risk, 
for people that weren't his. And we see examples of this everywhere. Not too long ago, America fought its bloodiest war. The war with the most American deaths. The Civil War. What was so interesting about the Civil War is that a lot of the folks that fought for the Union, they weren't weren't natural citizens. They were immigrants. Ireland and all throughout Europe. And when they, they shipped over and started a new life, they, they decided to join the army. Because the North, had, the North had, a, had a righteous cause. And they decided if they were going to live in a country, they at least need to help make it better. Examples of that are too many to count. It takes a lot of integrity, and maybe that's the first lesson we learn from Elijah. Is that it takes a lot of integrity to fight a battle that's not yours. I remember when I was in high school, a friend of mine had an experience, and I'm going to share that with you. There was a couple uh, upperclassmen, he was a junior, and there were a couple seniors that were picking on him. And his high school, being that it was in Soldotan, Alaska, benefited from a lot of oil money. So it was, even though that we only, there was only 400 kids in the entire high school at the time, we had uh, two, there was two stories, it was huge, had elevators, had a huge balcony stairwell. And these two upperclassmen, these two seniors had this junior, uh, confronted right at the bottom of the stairs. Their backs were to the steps, but, but my friend, his front was to the steps, and so he could see what was happening behind the two boys. And the two boys started to step up to him and kind of back him up a little bit. And what they didn't know is that his sister, that boy's sister, two years younger than him, was a freshman and was walking down those stairs and saw one of those boys grab grab him by his arms so the other one could hit him. The second period, and there were no teachers around. Uh, and it was a vacant, it was a vacant bottom part of that school with the, where the, uh, the staff usually is, where the uh, secretary and receptionist, and all, they were gone. And it was a ghost town. And as his sister saw these boys grab their brother, she jumped about eight steps off the ground and landed on the guy that was going to swing and hit her brother and tied him up and started hitting him in the back of the head uh, so her, her older brother can run and leave. And I'm not a proponent of violence, but thank goodness she was there. And thank goodness she had the integrity to step in and fight a fight that wasn't hers to save somebody she loved. And he'll never forget it. He'll never forget it. Two. So we learn integrity from Elijah. What else do we learn from Elijah? How about courage? Think about us. 
Again, just the first few verses in Elijah's story. Elijah, he said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, in whose presence I stand. What do you think Elijah says now? That's important. As the Lord God lives, in whose presence I stand. What do you think he added that? The reason is that the gods of this time, they were stationary. And so you couldn't be in a God's presence, not, not, not any of the gods that Ahab worshipped. You couldn't be in, in, in one of those gods' presence unless you were in the temple. Their temple. Their specific temple. You couldn't be in Baal's presence unless you were sacrificing at his altar. You couldn't be in Astra's presence unless you were at one of her poles. You couldn't be in Diana's presence unless you were offering in her temple. So, for Elijah to go to the king, to the palace, Israel, the northern kingdoms, the, at the peak of their debauchery, he says, as the Lord God who lives and whose presence I stand. Meaning that no matter where we go, God's there. That was important to Elijah because as he confronted Ahab, he confronted an empire, he confronted the northern tribes of Israel. Ahab didn't like people confronting him. Especially people that threatened rain to take the rain away. That's another thing that Ahab's gods didn't have that kind of power to cause a drought. Not for three years. Not to be able to predict one. So Ahab, let's finish the story. Verse 2, Then the word of the Lord came to him, Leave here, turn eastward, and hide at the wadi, where it enters the Jordan. You are to drink from the wadi. I have commanded the ravens to provide them for you there. So he proceeded to do what the Lord God commanded. Elijah left and lived at the wadi where it enters the Jordan. The ravens kept bringing him bread and meat in the morning and in the evening. And he would drink from the wadi. After a while, the wadi dried up because there had been no rain in the land. So again, just imagine the circumstances that Elijah is, is doing this. He goes to the capital of the northern tribes. He goes to Ahab's palace. And he says... It's not going to rain for three years. Now, what did that mean? That, for Ahab, that meant death. Because if you don't have rain, you can't grow, grow crops. And for three years, you're not going to grow anything for three years. Well, Ahab wanted to kill him. He tried. That's why God tells him to leave. And so he goes and hides in a wadi. You know what a wadi is? It's a still body of water fed by a river. And they're, they're not, it's, you're not thinking of clear crystal blue water either. <laughs> it's like they're drinking out of a swamp. It's scummy. And you ever, I don't know if you've ever been close up to a, a raven. Ravens are a lot like eagles. They're pretty birds, but they're just, at the end of the day, they're just nasty scavengers. And a raven's claw has got to be probably one of the top three grossest things in the world. And yet, Elijah had to eat food that was carried in by scavengers every evening and every morning to keep from dying because the king wanted to kill him. Wanted to kill him. Because he fought, he's fighting a battle that's not his. Because he has too much integrity to let an injustice happen. And that's what 
Ahab's kingdom was. What's what Ahab and Jezebel's reign was. It was an injustice. So why would God withhold water? God withhold water because Ahab and Jezebel were leading the country into idolatry. And not just idolatry, but into child worship. And Jezebel was of the Canaanite folks around the surrounding tribes around Israel. She wasn't herself an Israelite. She worshipped other gods. And they were always violent. The difference between Yahweh, the God of the Bible, and the God, these other gods, the, other, the gods of the Canaanites, and the gods of the Canaanites, they were, they were violent. They were bloodthirsty, and they demanded innocent blood of children. And so they led Israel into its darkest days. Elijah stood up to a kingdom and he paid the price for it. The second lesson we can learn in the life of Elijah is courage in the face of uncertainty. I don't know about you. I don't know if you're, if you're an essential employee. Essential. Have you thought about that term, essential employee? kind of made me feel bad because the pastor wasn't on the list of essential employees. But if you're not an essential employee, if, if, you, if you're not going to work every day, maybe you're a beauticianist or a waitress or a waiter or a cook or a chef or in the service industry and you're not working eight weeks. These can be definitely, these can definitely be uncertain times. Elijah teaches us that the best way to face uncertain times is to have courage and to do what God commands us. Even when we don't know what the end is. My little boy started a bad habit. When he started, he, my, David started reading when he was four. And I noticed when he was five that he would take, uh, go to the back of a book and read the last five pages before he started it. And I asked him why he did that. He said, well, I got to know it's a good ending before I start the book. Mm -hmm. You got to know how it ends before he begins, before he does what he wants to do. We can't, we don't have that opportunity a lot of times. A lot of times we have to do what the Lord asks us to do, and we don't know how it's going to end. But when we have faith, we trust in him, as King David would tell you, things tend to work out. Isaiah, the prophet, says, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Courage in the face of uncertainty. Or how about another way to put it? Being courageous when you want to be afraid. Have you ever had that? Have you ever had a, a time when you had to be courageous? You had to be, you had to be brave and you didn't want to be? I don't think I've told you guys this story. I've written about it. I think I've done a devotional about it, but I don't think I've ever put words to this story in front of a church. But when I was 12 years old, 
My mom and my dad both worked full-time jobs. My dad was a bivocational pastor, meaning he had a full-time job and he pastored a small church in Slobotin, Alaska. And my mother was an insurance agent, been one most of my life since I was in the third grade. And they were working, and it was summertime. And in Alaska in the 90s, summer started the 1st of May, and it went into the end of August or the first part of September. And the reason for such a long summer is those were the only months that snow wasn't on the ground. So families had to get a lot of stuff done, all the remodeling, all the, a lot of census folks, people would catch their meat for the whole year uh, during that time. And so kids weren't in school from the 1st of May to the end of, end of August, 1st of September, usually after Labor Day. We were home one day, and Katie and Amber and I were in our yard, and I don't remember what we were doing. I don't remember if we were going to go to harass one of the neighbor kids or what we were doing, but we were outside, and I was in charge. I was 12 years old, and if you ever have the opportunity to put a 12-year-old in charge of a 10-year-old and an 8-year-old, pass on that because it's not going to end well. But uh, we were out in the yard, and my little sister, Katie, freezes, turns white as she can be. And I look at her, and she's, she won't answer me. She won't respond. It's the first time I've ever experienced where I'm at talking to somebody, and they're looking, and they're not looking at me. They're not acknowledging me. They, I'm no, I don't even exist. And so I looked to where she was looking, and it was the biggest brown bear I ever seen in my life. Maybe as far away from Katie and I as Jeff is from me. And for those on Facebook Live that don't know where Jeff is, he's about 20 feet away from me. And I got really afraid. <laughs> and if you, if you grew up in the 90s in Alaska, I don't know if they still do this now, but they did it back then. We had bear drills where we would practice what to do if we were outside in a Grizzly bear comes around. So what you do, you get on your knees and fetal position, cover the back of your neck. And I couldn't move. And I couldn't, I wanted to tell Katie to do the same thing. Get on your knees and get on your, the fetal position, put your hands behind your neck and you know, maybe he'll go away. But I couldn't move. I couldn't breathe. paralyzed. You ever been that way? So afraid you can't move. Well, that grizzly bear, uh, he got bored. And he wandered on. And uh, for years, everybody thought Katie was lying. Katie was telling a story. And I didn't say anything because I didn't want him to think I was telling a story too. But I was there. reason why I didn't tell my parents I was there because I was too afraid to move. I was embarrassed. I didn't do, I didn't have courage. I didn't do something. Elijah tells us, he shows us that courage in the face of danger sometimes is necessary. It's essential. If you look with me in, the cha in chapter 18, Verse 20 of 2 Kings, we're going to look at one more story with Elijah. It's Elijah and the prophets of 
at Mount Carmel. Mount Carmel. So Ahab summoned all the Israelites and gathered all the prophets at Mount Carmel. And then Elijah approached all the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. But the people didn't, and, but the people didn't answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I am the only remaining prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let two bulls be given to us, and they are to choose one bull for themselves, cut it in pieces, place it on the wood, but do not light the fire. I would prepare the other bull and place it on the wood, but not light the fire. And then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord, the God who answers the fire. He is the Lord. All the people answered, that's fine. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Since you are so numerous, choose for yourselves one bull, prepare it first, and then call on the name of your God, but don't light the fire. So they took the bull that he gave them, and they prepared it, and called on the name of Baal, and from morning until noon, saying, Baal, answer us, but there was no sound. No one answered. Then they danced around the altar. At noon, Elijah mocked him. He said, shout loudly, for he is a God. Maybe he's thinking it over. Maybe he wandered away. He's being sarcastic. Or maybe he's on the road. Perhaps he's sleeping and will wake up. And they shouted loudly and cut themselves with knives and spears according to their customs until blood gushed over them. Remember, because Baal was a God that likes blood. So if you cut yourself or somebody else, you'd be able to supposed to usher in his presence. Verse 28, and they shouted loudly and cut themselves with knives and spears according to their customs. All afternoon they kept on raving until the offering of the evening sacrifice, but there was no sound. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near me. So all the people approached approached him, and then he, then he repaired the Lord's altar that had been torn down. And Elijah took twelve stones according to the number of tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel will be your name. And he built an altar, and with the stones and the names of the altar, and then he made a trench around the altar, large enough to hold about four gallons. Next, he arranged the wood, cut up the bull, and placed it on the wood. He said, fill four water parts, pots with water and pour it on the offering to be burned on the wood. And then he said a second time, and they did it. A second time, and then he did a third time, and they did a third time. And so the water ran all around the altar and filled the trench with water. Now, at the time for offering the evening sacrifice, the prophet Elijah approached the altar and said, Lord... The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Today let it be known that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and that your word I have done all these things. Answer me. Answer me so these people will know that you are the Lord God, and that you have turned their hearts back. 
And then the Lord's fire fell and consumed the burnt offering, the stones and the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell face down and said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. So lesson number three we learned from Elijah is God wins. This little fight, this countdown between, between Elijah and 450 prophets of Baal and Mount Carmel, it was a competition to see which God was real, which God was responsive to people, which God was alive. And so he stands up to the Israelites and he says, how long will you be of two opinions? What does that mean? means to think one way and believe and, and, and behave the other. That's what it means. It means to call yourself a Christian but not act like one. Well, that can be hard to do, to act like one. Elijah tells us that we have to decide which team we're going to be on. And then we have to act like we're on, we're on it. We have to live like we're on it. There's going to come a time when COVID-19 is just a memory. This is going to pass. Life will get back to normal, a normal. Maybe not the way it was before, but... Then again, who said the way it was before was the right way anyway? Chapter 2 of 2 Kings. And we're going to fast forward to verse 8. I'll give you a little bit of context. Elijah takes his servant Elisha on a tour of Israel, all the territory. Because he's leaving. God's going to call him up. He's going to die. In a way. Verse 8. Elijah took his mantle, rolled it up, struck the water, which parted the right and left. And then the two of them crossed over on dry ground. And when they had crossed over, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me what I can do for you before I am taken from you. So Elijah answered, Please let me inherit two shares of your spirit. Elijah replied, you have asked for something difficult. If you see me being taken from you, you will have it. But if not, you won't. And they continued walking and talking in a chariot of fire with horses of fire suddenly approached and separated the two of them. And then Elijah went up into heaven in the whirlwind. As Elisha watched, he kept crying out, my father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. Elijah shows us the reward of the righteous. Those who fought the good fight all the way to the end. And when I think of when I think of folks like that, my man, there's been some good people I've had the chance to minister to in their in the twilight of their years. I think it's Jewel Barker from Providence Springs. She died. She was 97 years old. 
and she was looking for the Lord to return, and she was looking for the Lord to come get her. And she would, I would come visit her. I visit her every Tuesday at 11 o'clock. And I kept the same time the same day because she was 97, and she knew she was used to that routine, so we kept it up. And one day she asked me, she said, Brandon, why am I still here? Husbands are gone. Parents are gone. Her brothers and sisters are gone. She had, at that time, she had two living brothers. She had a brother-in-law and a sister-in-law alive still. Everybody else in her childhood, everybody she knew in her youth, they're all gone. Friends. And she woke up every morning. She went to bed every evening expecting not to wake up the next day. Elijah shows us what happens when you tarry through the hard times. And Elijah has some hard times. We didn't talk much about Jezebel because we didn't have that much time. Elijah's got a big life. But he went head to head with Jezebel when he fought the 450 prophets on Mount Carmel. And again, she chased him away. He ran away again for his life. She sent a man down to him and said, May the gods deal so ever bad with me. If tomorrow at this time you're not as dead as those other prophets. I mean, he had some hard times. He was persecuted. He struggled. But he made it to the end. He could have quit. A lot of different ways he could have quit. Folks, they choose to stop. There's been a lot of pastors. You know that only 10% of pastors that are ordained this year will retire at their proper time. You know that? Only 10%. 90% of ministers that are ordained this year will leave the ministry in less than 10 years. Did you know that? It's a fun little bit of information. Why? Now, some ministry is hard. And sometimes you've got to you got to take up a fight that's not yours. And you got to love on people that hate you. And it, gets, and it wears on your time and your family and your health. That's why. But Elijah shows us that if we're faithful, God, one of these days God's going to come get us. And it might not be in the radical way he got Elijah. Matter of fact, that wasn't the first time he'd done that. He did that to somebody in Genesis. And if you go on my Facebook page and you tell me who was the first person that God took up that didn't die, that walked with, I'll give you a hint. The scripture says he walked with the Lord 350 years and then the Lord took him. One of these days God's going to come. He's going to get you too. This is going to pass. COVID-19 will go away. But the Lord and his word will never go away. I thank y'all for your time. And I thank you for I thank you for your integrity to be good Christians even in a period that is uncertain and folks wouldn't blame you if you were less than. So to those who are in 
representing Christ, who are having integrity, who are being a light in a dark world. Keep it up. You're not alone. You're not by yourself. As God told Elijah, there's a remnant that hasn't bowed its knee down to Baal. You will be rewarded. Lord, I pray that you be with us during these uncertain times. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for the privilege of being an American. The privilege of being able to speak freely about my faith. Lord, I pray that you bless and touch each person out there today. In thy name we pray. Amen. Go and be blessed.